Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Candace Marie Woods left the Lone Star State for the Great White Way. The talented singer-actress currently plays Diana Ross in A2 Proud, the hit musical about the life and times of The Temptations. Candace has a slew of Broadway credits to her name, including Hairspray, Catch Me If You Can, Nice Work If You Can Get It, and The Book of Mormon. She's performed all over the U.S. as well as internationally. She was cast as Dina Jones in the Korean tour of Dreamgirls. National tours include Dirty Dancing, the classic story on stage, and Legally Blonde. Let's meet and get to know this creative woman. So, Candace, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me remotely today. Hi, thanks for having me today. <laughs> when you were growing up, and I, ask, I often ask this of actresses and singers, were you putting on plays in the barn in the back of, the, <laughs> the back of your house? <laughs> We didn't have a barn, but, that, but it's funny because anytime someone asks me if I'm from, like, I tell people I'm from Texas, they just immediately assume that we were riding around on horses and jumping around on haystacks. But yes, we were definitely, I was definitely performing with my brother, running around the house, singing, dancing, doing all of that, like pretending that the closet was the backstage and we'd come out of the closet and uh-huh. put, on our, put on our show. We grew up watching a lot of musicals. My mom had us watching Sound of Music. I remember when I first saw um, The Nutcracker and I, I looked at my mom and I told her, I was like, I want to I do that. I mean, I want to do that. It was very, very specific. And as soon as I said that, I was in dance class and I just was in dance class for the rest of my life. And how old so, were you when, when you first started? Four when years you first old. Enrolled. You were four years old. Wow. Four years old. Yeah, And at, at that point, even though you're just a little girl, I mean, as you were getting older, did you entertain in your brain that you would wanted to be a dancer as opposed to an actress? I think I knew I wanted to be on stage. I knew I wanted to perform because when I did actually get to the stage as a, as a um, semi-professional, I was, I was obsessed with that. I became like almost like a different person. I felt, I felt I felt like I was in my in, in the place where I was supposed to be. I didn't know that I was going to be in musical theater growing up. That I, that I thought I was going to be a prima ballerina. I thought it was going to be like, you know, Lauren Anderson or Misty Copeland or like just running around doing concert dance. But I I just happened to sing and 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 then I fell into acting a little later in my career and um and it just it kind of all came together. I mean, I I love to perform. I love to just perform. So any kind of challenge, anything, anything, I'm, I'm up for it. So when you were in school, whether it be elementary, junior or high school, were you cast in the school plays? I mean, I did like little shows every now and again when I was a kid. I did Gypsy. I played a newsboy. <laughs> I, was in, I was in Charlotte's Web. I don't remember what barn, what farm animal I was playing in that, but I... <laughs> <laughs> I did little things when I was a little, when I was younger. It was mostly dance. That was where I lived and breathed. Um, and then acting, like serious acting, didn't come until my senior year in high school. And I was in a play called Getting Out, um, and uh, I played the leading lady in that. And I realized then that oh, there's this is that was a different challenge for me. It was completely different from dance. It was a different tool. It was a different skill. Sure. It was a different technique. And I was I. I was caught up in that as well because I, I liked the challenge and it was the stage and I, I like being on stage. So um, I would say a mixture, a mixture of all of it. 
um, as I was coming up. So when high school was over, what was the, and no pun intended, next step for you? Well, before I was cast in Hairspray, I wasn't even really sure what I wanted to do. I knew I was like desperate to continue performing, but I didn't know how that was going to happen. When I was about 14 years old, I wrote down that I wanted to do, I wanted to be on stage because I'd, I'd visited New York um, for a summer program uh, at School of American Ballet. When that happened, I just knew the city was where I wanted to be because it was just everything. You know, you just got all of the things, culture, you know, art, architecture, all the stuff. It's just so, it was just so, I was enthralled with that whole world at 14 years old. What was that like for you in terms of doing a 180 from being in the Big Apple and living in Texas? And where in Texas did you live? I grew up in Garland, Texas which is just, no, not a city. At all. Okay. I mean, not, I wasn't growing up in a city. Um, mm-hmm. Only time I was in, the, in Dallas, Texas was when we were on our way to church. I'd pass by and I'd see the buildings and I'd be like, wow, look at these amazingly tall buildings. What? Who, who, <laughs> could, live, who could live in that? Hello. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I got to New York and I was like, oh, I can live in that because <laughs> this is where I belong. Like uh-huh. I fell in love. I got to see the Twin Towers. Like that summer was the last summer that they were standing. Uh, And I I got mm -hmm. a chance to see that. And I remember thinking, wow, I just, you know how you look Mm -hmm. at tall buildings and you're just like, what, what if? And then a month later they were gone. It was just devastating. But then also that again, the the feeling and the, the connection I had with New York at such a young age, I knew that that's where I wanted to be. So I wrote it down. I wrote it down and I, I grew up in church and we would do this. The, there was a scripture or saying about um, writing things down to make it plain, to make it, to make it known. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would write a lot um, and I wrote down that this is what I wanted to do. This is where I wanted to be. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but that's what I wanted. And then it was almost as if the universe was just like, we hear you, we see you. And then three years later, I'm being offered a Broadway show in New York City. Um, right before I graduated high school. You willed it, you wished it, and it was supposed to happen, obviously. Maybe not as fast as you thought. So then what (laughs) the heck was that like? (laughs) So at that point, I was, you know, (laughs) I was kind of going through a little senioritis anyway. I was ready to leave. I was Mm -hmm. ready to start my life. Um, When they first offered for me to come and do the tour of Hairspray, that was right before my, like uh, the summer before my senior year. And so I was, um, I was a little too nervous to do that. I was like, oh, I don't think I can, I don't think I can do that yet. I was like, let me just finish my senior year. Let me finish my high school. Let me finish school first. And then we'll see if they, if you guys still want me. How dare I tear them down? Who was it that wanted you? So I'll start from the beginning. I, um, I trained at Chamberlain School of Ballet in Plano, Texas. Um, and through that school is where I went. They, uh, they sent me off to California for a dance convention where agencies and talent scouts and all these people were just looking for new, new talent. And, mm-hmm. and the people there, my, well, the agency I was with when I first started, DDO, saw me, um, asked if I was interested in singing and acting, and they thought you might actually be able to do 
musical theater, we want to send you on a mock audition. Um, hmm. And we want to send you on something because we want to see, you know, how you do and you let us know, like, if it's something you're interested in. And so they sent me for an audition for Hairspray, which was on tour at the time. Um, I, went, I had a chance to go see the show. I got an opportunity to meet with casting, um, mm-hmm. Bernie Telsey and his team, the Telsey Casting Agency, were the people that I met during that audition process. And I just did my thing. <laughs> I went in, I sang, I think I sang a song from Aida. Um, I learned the choreography, you know, went to the dance call. And, and then that was that. And then I got a call back. And then I got a call to Mm -hmm. join the company. Now, I did not expect any of that. Nobody did because (laughs) it was just supposed to be like a mock. We'll see what happens. Gotcha. Um, Uh That's when the agency, the uh, Telsey called me and asked if I'd be interested in joining the tour. And then I turned Telsey down (laughs) 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 to tell them like, I'm not ready. I, well, my mom was like, she wants to finish her high school career. And I was more like, on my end, I was like, I'm scared to do anything outside of Texas. Like, I'm, is this happening right now? Like, yeah. I, know I, want, I know I wanted to do it, but am I really cut out for this? So I had a lot of, I had a lot of fear. And, and even when I was younger, um, about, about stepping out of my comfort zone. You know, it's so interesting because you have two sort of diametrically opposed you know, feelings like you're saying, I got to do this. This is so much bigger than I am to act and sing and dance. On the other hand, oh God. It's always been, yeah. Always been so shy and timid. And I don't come alive really until I'm in my, in my zone of performing. And so it's, I mean, I'm a little more out there now, Mm -hmm. but when Mm -hmm. I was younger, I was definitely like, stay quiet. Don't, Mm -hmm. you know, don't, don't be too much. And that all changed once I, Moved to me. Right. It's really a fascinating <laughs> contrast. And you're not the first person who's expressed that. Yeah. I led two lives, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. I've been two different people and I've learned from both. And so hairspray was the seminal moment. Yeah. When I got out to New York, my mom, my grandmother, and my dad were with me. We moved into a tiny little studio apartment on 45th Street in Times Square. Uh, near right Times in the heart Square. of everything. <laughs> right. And because listen, I didn't know anything about, I didn't know how to get on the train. I didn't know where, you know, how to ma- navigate that yet. The Neil Simon Theater is on 52nd Street. So I could just walk to work. Sure. Um, so I didn't have to worry about any of that other stuff because I was way too green to even know how to do that. And to be honest, I wouldn't live in Midtown today because it's too much for me. It's yeah. too loud. It's, too it's way too dense. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. And that's so, where everybody and his brother comes, you know, exactly. Times Square. You're just like, Oh, enough already. Just get out of here. Two years, two years of that. I was like, Oh, it's time to move to Harlem. It's time to move. It's time to move a little farther away. I remember feeling excited and ready, but then also a little sad. I mean, I grew up living with, you know, three other siblings and my parents and I was always surrounded by people. So to go from that to living by myself in the city um, in this tiny little box apartment was liberating in itself. But then also there was a little sadness. I was like, oh, I'm going to miss you guys. I'm going to miss you guys. I would like to ask you, what was that feeling like when you first got on that Broadway stage and and said to yourself, oh my (laughs) God, look where I am. It's one thing 
to walk past a theater and it's one thing to rehearse, but boy, I can't imagine what that was like when that curtain went up. I definitely remember having that feeling the first time I walked, even when I just walked by the theater. I knew that I was a part of something bigger than myself. And I knew that people were lined up outside trying to get tickets every single day. So to get on the stage, like there was a sense of like pride that I had, like, wow, like I'm a, I get to be a part of this. I don't consider myself to be special, but I get to be a part of this. And when the curtain went up, ooh, when I got a chance to like, you know, the first words that come out of my mouth are good morning, Baltimore. Yes, and yes, what a great song. Just, uh-huh. just so, oh, and the dancing and the choreography, that first that opening number is, it's already just like, go, you're here and go. Oh, you're giving me goosebumps. I haven't actually thought about that feeling either for a while. So that it's, I'm getting chills too. Cause I, mm-hmm. I do remember feeling like I'm just, I get to be a part of something so much bigger than myself. And I'm, I'm honored and I'm, I feel proud and I'm going to give it all I got. And at 18, 17, 18 years old, a baby, I was, I was giving it all I got. Right. Nothing, I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back on anything. And I did my very best. You were there because you were supposed to be there. So I this is now what? 2000, what year now? That was 2005. 2005. Clearly you had an agent. Well, that the agency that, that found me in California when I was doing the mock audition, they mm-hmm. we stuck together ah, um, okay. Okay. and they decided to represent me. So that's kind of how my career just kept going. Um, and Ricky and I have been working together since, oh gosh, I don't want to get this wrong, but I, I want to say fairly like not too long afterwards because he joined that agency afterwards and then has now branched off to do his, have his own agency. Um, but I've been with him since 2008, I want to say maybe 2007 and he's great. But so yeah, 2005 to 2007 was Hairspray. And then, oh gosh, I don't even know how I'm going to tell this story. (laughs) Go for it in any way. Go ahead. I had a little break in between Hairspray and the next um, gig, which was Dirty Dancing. I was supposed to go off and be a harlot in Vegas with Bette Midler. And then something happened within that casting. I got pushed out. It's fine. It wasn't meant to be. Um, I was obviously devastated. That was my big, my first big like blow of like, okay, this is a hard game. Like you got to stay in it. You got to stay in it. And I honestly, at that point, I thought I was done. I was like, well, I guess I'm really not supposed to be doing this. I guess I need to move back to Texas and just, you know, figure that, figure it out. Um, And then Ricky came along and we started, you know, figuring out how we were going to get back into New York. I auditioned for Dirty Dancing. I was immediately cast. The writer of Dirty Dancing, the movie, actually said to me, I'm not supposed to say this. It was like that movie moment. I'm not supposed to tell you now, right, but right. You're, you're, you're hired. Uh-huh. And I remember being like, oh my God, how? What? <laughs> um, thank God, because I didn't know what was next. I didn't have hairspray anymore. And I was kind of just like, oh no, what, what am I supposed to do? So luckily that just kind of fell into place. I went on tour for the first time in my life, got to see a lot of the country. And that was, that was exciting and fun for young Candace. I enjoyed being able to take what I was best at, which was dancing, and be a part of such an iconic uh, cult classic of a show. 
So that was fun. That was thrilling. That was around the time that Obama was elected. And I was in Chicago when that happened. Oh, wow. (laughs) In the room where it happened, kind of. (laughs) Very much so. Very Uh much so. I had just turned 18. This was the first time I was able to vote. So I was excited about being able to vote for a Black president for the first time. Uh Um, And that being my first experience with voting was, was, I actually have become a sucker for politics. I've become a sucker for that because of that. So being in Chicago during that time was really awesome, really exciting. I remember walking out on the streets when it all happened. And it was, again, just like being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Yes, And I just couldn't believe that that was my experience. It was like one of those, like, is this my life kind of thing? (laughs) And then after that, then there was Legally Blonde. Um, Legally Blonde was exciting as well. I got to work with um, Jerry Mitchell again. Love him. Super sweet guy. Super fun. I mean, the choreographer of the show and also the director of Legally Blonde. Mm -hmm. So we had a great time with that. I played Pilar in that show. So I got to flex a little bit more of my acting, a little bit more of my like being in the middle of it, being mm-hmm. in the center of the stage mm-hmm. a little bit more. So I was, that was cool. And then after Legally Blonde is when I, or uh, yeah, well, I got to move back to New York. I was ready to get back to the city. Um, I was like, okay, I've been touring for two plus years now. I'm ready to, I'm ready to get back to where, where I kind of fell in love with the whole musical theater world. Did you feel that you had a nice marriage between the professional and the personal? You know, you're working a lot and and that's really great. But here you are creating a life for yourself. And I'm just curious if it was able to jibe. I've met a lot of wonderful people. I've I've built a lot of friends from different shows and I had friends that have become family to me, like my second family, my New York family. And then obviously relationship wise, I've, you know, New York is like the place to fall in love, especially young love, just Mm -hmm. running around Central Park and having the experience of getting back on Broadway, having another Broadway show, a new Broadway show, an original Broadway show, which was Catch Me If You Can, and then also being in love was kind of one of the most exhilarating times of my life because I got to experience the opening. I got to experience the Tonys. I got to experience, you know, late night TV show with Letterman when he was still on. And I got to have that experience and then, and then go home and be with the one, well, my love <laughs> at the time. So yeah, I, I think it was a nice mix. Um, and a nice balance. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. a grueling schedule. I mean, especially when you're, when you're opening a show, there's a lot of rehearsals. There's a lot of, you know, uh, press and there's a lot of side things to do like little little just so much going on so much hype for this new show catch me if you can was my first experience with that and i loved it i mean i loved it i loved to being in the original cast original cast member you mean yeah yes exactly um and again i got to work with jerry mitchell jack o'brien mark shaman that that whole team again and we were also back at the neil simon theater so there's a lot of like there are a lot of little connecting moments that just right. made me feel like I was in the right place at the right time and that everything is sorting itself out. And again, being a part of something bigger than myself, but now I'm feeling like I'm just as big as that. You know, I can be a part of, I don't have to feel like I, you know, like I'm, I'm a little more grounded in what it is that I'm doing. Right. And the reality of it all. So yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Way more. I was a lot more confident. I had a little more sass behind me. I was, I was, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. So 
It was great. I'd like to move over to Ain't Too Proud. And first of all, I am a Temptations, I don't know, groupie freak. I don't know. I mean, Motown. <laughs> I saw the HBO show Motown, the, the making of Hitsville. I, I yes. know it was on HBO. If I didn't see that 57 times, I never saw it. <laughs> and oh my gosh. The one thing that was very funny about seeing that show in person was that everybody was singing the songs in the audience, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. So there was this conflict of, I didn't pay to hear you sing, but, on the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you three seats down for me. But on the other hand, how you can't sit still and watch this show. This is my history. So talk about what that was like and if you sort of share that with me that you felt like you really stepped in it when you got the, <laughs> the part of Diana Ross. Well, ain't too proud. That's been my family now for three years and I am obviously saddened that we can't be on that stage right now. But that Thank show... Thank you, coronavirus. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's just, that's it's, it's devastating. But this show... Um, it's the music I grew up to as well because mm-hmm. my my family was listening to The Temptations and Diana Ross and Motown, all of that. We grew up listening to that as well. It was either gospel music or Motown. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, again, and also this was the first op- opportunity that I got to be in a mostly black show. Yes. Um, yes. So to be amongst all of this incredible black excellence, incredible talent just from the writer to everybody, to the cast. I just really enjoy, enjoyed being able to watch us do our thing. And to be part of an original, there was no movie about The Temptations. There was a movie about The Temptations, actually. It came out on v- VH1 a while ago. And I remember oh. when oh. I saw that, yeah, I saw that movie when I was like, oh gosh, let's see. I don't want to lie about my age, but we're going to say 12, 12 years old. Okay. And I, I remember being like, ooh, those guys are fine. <laughs> like my first response was like, they're all so beautiful. And then my second response was, wow, they're all so talented. Yes, really. And this music is so awesome. It's yeah. just, it's really telling the story of, um, of the time too. Absolutely. I fell in love with the temptations at a young age. So Meeting Otis Williams. I was just going to say, what was that like? Because he's the only surviving member of yes. the original Temptations. And he was the, quote, creative consultant, right? Yes. On the show? Mm-hmm. Yes. He was always there. He's, you know, during, from the very beginning of this process, he's been there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not hovering, but there. Yes. Just a cool guy, man. Like dresses down, is always dressed to impress. And that's the first thing I noticed is that his style is incredible. I mean, why wouldn't it be? But then he's also, he's just a cool dude. He's Mm. down to earth. He's laid back. He's super chill. And I could tell that that, I could tell that he also was very proud of what we were doing. And so that to have his approval and that little stamp of approval on on this project was kind of like our our, uh, blessing. It's a very powerful play because there was definitely trouble in paradise and, yes. uh, you know, for that group. And that's what's so great about the show. We're telling the story and there's some parts of it that aren't really terrific, but that's our history. That's the Temptations history. We have to be able to look at it 
And we also have to be able, and that's what I love about this, the writing in the show. Dominique Morisot wrote this thing. Yeah, really. Wrote, wrote this thing to perfection. And the truth of the matter is, is that one of the lines in the show is about, you have to take me all or nothing. You get to see the joy and the excitement of the music and watch everybody come together with this beautiful, awesome, funkadelic, like everybody's having a good time. But then you also have to realize that the, the men that you're watching, these black men that you're watching are humans yes. and that they have demons of their own and that they're dealing with things that are being thrown at them. They're having to worry about, you know, the protection in certain areas of our country. Um, and so I think it's important. I think it's very important that the audience gets from the show is I can enjoy the music. I can have a blast. But I can't just take the temptations. I can't just look at these artists and say, this is just for my amusement. I have to see them for who they are and I have to accept them for who they are because this is the time to accept people for who they are. We're so divided right now. We're such a divided nation. And we have to realize that the people that we admire and the the joy that we have, that's that's on the backs of the pain and the struggle of, of what was really going on during that time. And so we can't just ignore the history. Did you really learn a whole lot that maybe you weren't aware of as well as in terms of your character and your relationship of Diana Ross to the Temps? I have been very aware of the history of, of and, like, and by the history, I mean the, the struggles of what people uh, like myself and like Diana Ross and like the Temps mm-hmm. uh, deal with or had to deal with at that time. Growing up in Texas, I have experienced my own bouts of racism. I've experienced my own bouts of, of just nastiness. Um, so it's, it, it, in 2020, I, I, I'm ashamed that I have to say that, but that's the truth of the matter. I can't imagine what it would have been like to do what I'm doing currently, performing in a time where it was so oh, just... Divided? Even more divided than it might be now. Now, yeah. And yeah. so... I was aware of that before taking on these roles. And you have to remember those things too. When you're, when you're performing, you have to know this is what this person might've been experiencing. Diana in Motown, the show Motown, it was about her and Barry Cordy. So yes, I'm just like a cameo. You get to see what the temps are trying to strive to be because the Supremes were, were killing the game. So yes, they, yes. they were looking at them like, oh, okay, so what, what are they doing that's so special? Being the Supremes. Maybe I was unaware of the relationship between the Supremes and the Temptations in the sense that, as you were saying before, the Supremes were huge. Yes. I was aware, too, that they performed together, that they were doing a lot of those shows together. So when we, when we do the number, I'm going to make you love me, I mean, that's, it's just as fun to pretend like you're on TV, on, on stage. Right. That's just such a fun, cool thing to do. Right. Um, but I would watch those shows. You know, I'd go on YouTube and do the research and watch, watch her mannerisms and watch how she was on stage and, and, and not try to emulate, but just kind of embody her. I had the distinct honor and pleasure of interviewing her daughter, Rhonda. Yes, oh yes, my Rhonda. Gosh. Rhonda's so wonderful. She's such a sweetheart. What? The acorn doesn't fall far. I mean, yes. the not most genuine 
loveliest, uh, really, I couldn't make her say a bad word about anybody or anything. I tried. No, love, <laughs> <laughs> love Rhonda. Rhonda's a sweetheart. I met Rhonda some years ago, and then she obviously came and saw the show. So we, I got to uh, see her again, but I, I adore her. I think she's such a hu- wonderful human being, such a wonderful human being. So when we get back to, in quotes, a normal world and you can return to your New York home and your New York job, do you see a long run for Ain't Too Proud? I would love for the show to continue to, to touch lives. I would love for this show to continue going because in all honesty, I feel like this show is needed. <laughs> I, think we, right. I think we need to learn the history. I think we need to keep reminding ourselves of where we've come from, but I also think we just need to dance and enjoy each other, enjoy the music. And, oh gosh, I, I, like you said, the audience would just could not contain themselves most of the time. And I know that's because the work of the temptation still touches lives today and is now reaching, reaching younger audiences and, and we're, we're reaching everybody. And so I would love, I would love for the show to continue um, and, to, and to have many more years um, on The Great White Way. And because I honestly do feel like um, it's needed. I do. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's needed. And, and especially after all of this kind of settles down, people are going to want to dance. People are going to want to come together. That's exactly right. What would you like to do down the road from Ain't Too Proud? Well, see, now I've been doing theater for 15 years and it's been such an, a beautiful ride and I love the stage. I'll always love the stage. But if you were my fairy godmother, I would love for you to come down and make me a leading character on a TV show because I have always been interested in TV and film and I've mm-hmm. always been really, really interested in playing roles in that arena. Have you been typecast, though, as a Broadway star? Has that worked against you in a sense? No, I think, I think TV and film is different from stage. So there are things that I had to work on. Um, but I've also been told by a lot of creatives that how kind of how I am is, is better for TV and film. I'm not as big. You have to be really big on stage. You don't have to be really big on TV and film. Have you ever felt that doing live theater has been a drudge? No. Ah, there have been times, there have been times when, and I'm using my context clues here, I'm, I'm going to say drudge is too strong. Yeah. There have been times when um, there have been times when I have felt alone in the companies that I've been a part of in the cast, the shows that I've been a part of. Um, and so being able to jump into Ain't Too Proud and to be around people like myself and to have that kind of family feel, um, was a different experience for me. I, I, I think there are a lot of times where I would feel like a token and I, I, that there are things I couldn't express to other people, uh, my fellow castmates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to answer, answer this as diplomatic. Because I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to tear it down, but it does. No, but this is what's were, personal to you. Yes, there were times that um, I didn't, I didn't feel like, you know, I, I just felt kind of alone. I'd had that feeling even before I joined Broadway. Um, you know, I, I just felt like I wasn't supposed to be in this, this, this world of, of 
performing because it, I didn't see a lot of people like myself doing stuff like this. And so, and then growing up, in, again, growing up in Texas, I experienced some things that um, the other girls weren't experiencing. So yeah, there have been a lot of times when I would feel alone, but then, you know, that kind of all shifted once I was able to become a part of this, this cast and join this group of people who, like myself, love to perform, but all, and are also really talented. <laughs> so I want you to speak on behalf of the Woods family. What has that been like for your siblings and your parents who are living vicariously through your talent? Obviously, super supportive. That's such a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked about my family. And I love my family. Like I, I'll come home as many times as I can, as many opportunities as I get. Um, that's where I will be. People are like, oh, you know, what do you want to do for vacation? I'm like, I want to, I kind of need to go home and see my family. Thank you for asking that. They've always been super, super supportive. Mm-hmm. Very, very supportive. My brother, my, the younger of the two brothers that I have, um, he's older than me, but younger of the two, he's a performer as well. And so uh, it's always, it's just been nice to like kind of grow up and, and do that performing thing in our home and then to watch him kind of branch out and, and to do his thing. He works on, he was working with Carnival Cruise Line. He would steal the show all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. people, he's just got such an incredible stage presence. My brother is way more, um, what's the word I want to use? Just confident. Just, he's, he's the one I would look up to. Well, that's so, a testosterone, I'm guessing, you know? Look, I don't even know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I don't want to say that. It's just, you know, when something is just, when you're just born to do something. Yeah, you're right. It's bigger than you. It's, and he has never been afraid to just do it. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that's always like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't. But my brother is the one who gives me like, you know, we came from the same cloth, right? We're cut from the same cloth. So I'm like, if he can do this, if he can get out there and do this, I can do this. And he's kind of been my little source of strength. I don't think he knows that, but he has been. And then my parents and my, my other siblings, always, always supportive, always coming to see my shows. My mom flew all the way out to Korea wow. to see me play Dina Jones. And I, you Whoa, know, I didn't even ask about that. Uh huh. That's my family. My family will always support me, whether or not I'm doing this, or if I decide to, you know, start teaching, whatever I choose to do, mm-hmm. they're going to always have my back. Isn't so, that the best? I mean, what a foundation you have that how you were just sent off into the world because you had, again, I say this practically at every interview, but it's true. The strong sense of self yeah. that the women I have interviewed had, and it is so empowering. And what you say should be heard by younger versions of would be yeah. Candace Marie Woods. We are here to share our gifts. We're here mm-hmm. to, you know, bring each other to come together and, and make this little chaotic, crazy life that we live. Right. Um, something beautiful, you know, something, something we can all be proud of. So I'm, ex- I'm, I'm glad that I've had the opportunity to be able to do what I love as a job. <laughs> well, not for nothing. We're so glad that you've been able to do that because you're oh. a very talented <laughs> performer who clearly, obviously loves what she does. I'm just very curious. Has Diana seen you? No. And if I've, I've told everybody this, everyone knows this. If she, if she's there, 
I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I want to just do what I do every night and right. not have to worry about it. I'm sure that it might, it's probably impossible for me not to know, but I've got my wigs ready for that <laughs> meeting. Uh-huh. I've already, I tell this all the time, like I've got my, my wigs ready, my Diana Ross wig after the show. If, cause you know, I got this hair. I want her to know who, who I am. Right. right. <laughs> and I want to be right. able to stand next to this iconic legend. If that were to happen, I am prepared. It's just been so empowering to listen to your story and the passion that you have in addition to your creative juices. And I think it's just so wonderful that, is it, is it, do I say that you're living the dream? <laughs> you can say that. I mean, because is that it just is. like, oh, you know, come on, Sandy. This is the type of thing that people do aspire to do. And I know that there are people, hopefully, you know, the generation before me or after me, I should say, comes in and says, Hey, wow. Like, look at that. Look, she's doing this. They're out there doing this. And I can do that too. Like it's attainable. You can make this happen. I didn't go to college. I did not, but I trained. I worked really, really hard. Like I knew that this is what I was going to do. So I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of it. And I, I hope that, I hope that when people hear this, they can know that they're, that this is something they can do as well. If they want to go for it, go for it. You know, it's it's very empowering. And it is, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, it's been a beautiful experience. I would not have been able to um, see all the people, the places and and meet all the different people and be in the same room with Oprah and Hillary Clinton and all these freaking just legends and stars, politicians, everybody. I just would never have thought that that would be my life, but it is. And I'm not mad at that. (laughs) I'm not mad at that at all. Oh, what a great way to end. I have totally enjoyed meeting and getting to know Candace Marie Woods. Oh, and I thanks. wish you nothing but continued success. And here's hoping you can be back on that stage singing with yes. the, the Florence and Mary and, and, and get <laughs> yes. out there and be where you're supposed to be. I guess I wanted to ask one more thing before we say goodbye. Is there any role that you really want? Oh, <laughs> Well, I remember, I remember I told you that um, I sang Aida for my first audition. Yes. Um, I know that that's coming or was in the works, was planned to come back. Um, I, I would love to play that at some point in my life. I won't be like devastated if I don't, mm-hmm. but it, w- it, would be, it would be awesome to play Aida. I just, I love the strength of this character. And I think that was the first time when I was younger that I got to see someone look that looked like me kind of command the stage. Mm-hmm. And the first moment I had chills listening to some like Broadway, like yeah. I was like, ooh, ooh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey. That's just the, off the top of my head. That's the first, that's the first show that comes to mind. Well, so. here's hoping that, uh, that that happens. And here's hoping also that your wonderful career continues. And thank you for making all of us smile. And, oh, thank you. Um, and entertaining all of us. We need it so desperately. And the world needs clearly more Candace Marie Woods. Oh, gosh, stop. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was, this was like therapy for me to sit and, and just to talk and get my mind off quarantine. I hear you. Thank you very much, Candace. Thank you. 
Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. 